welcome to the latest edition of Seattle Nice. I'm David Hyde, a politics reporter with Seattle NPR affiliate KUOW. He's political consultant and sports betting fan, Sandeep Kaushik. How's your day going so far, Sandeep? Very good. Thank you. She's Erica C. Barnett. And Erica, I was going to ask you, like, the C, does that still stand for crank? It still stands for crank, uh, which is my uh, my increasingly occasional column um, at my website, Publicola. Check it out on Publicola.com. And today, we're talking about the rise of the small business class in Blue City politics, and specifically, Seattle's craft beer magnate, Sarah Nelson, a new city council member this year, a voice for small business on the Seattle City Council, and, and she's starting to find her voice on the Seattle City Council. This week, she objected to a resolution in support of efforts to unionize at Starbucks. And so let's start with that. I was elected to work with my colleagues on the issues we know are priorities for the people of Seattle. Homelessness, police reform, public safety, housing affordability, basic services, and so on. I was not elected to take votes on issues that fall beyond the purview of city business. What is a resolution and what was her objection to this resolution or resolutions generally? Uh, who's resolved to talk to us about that first? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take a crack. I mean, the resolution was uh, sponsored by Councilmember Sham Sawant, um, and it's basically a non-binding resolution saying that the city council supports efforts to unionize at Starbucks. It ended up being pretty controversial um, because there is this ongoing debate at Seattle City Council that's been going on as long as I've covered City Hall about whether it's the job of the City Council to pass these non-binding, you know, somewhat uh, meaningless resolutions that uh, express points of view on, on various issues. I think this was in 2001 or 99, somewhere around there. Um, Heidi Wills and Judy Nicastro were city council members who supported a resolution that uh, would have supported banning circus animals in the city of Seattle. And that was incredibly controversial at the time. So you're right that there's some history here. That said, the kind of volume of these and sort of the how far afield they go has really ramped up in recent years. And I think it's indicative of a sort of performative virtue signaling turn among certain elements, uh, activist turn among certain elements of the Seattle left, where they see using the platform that uh, the Seattle City Council provides to sort of not in any binding or substantive way, but in a performative way, you know, advocate for certain activist agendas, right? And I think that uh, there are a lot of people in the city, a lot of ordinary voters, that do find this to be a waste of time and kind of irritating and holier-than-thou virtue signaling. And, and a, particularly at a time when the problems that the city are facing, the city is facing, seem really significant and, and seem to be worsening, uh, you know, there, there's a backlash against this stuff. And, and we saw two council members, Sarah Nelson and, and as you said, Alex, uh, uh, really object to this this time. I believe that a vote on resolution 32041 would be just merely symbolic because this is an external labor issue and we have no authority over Starbucks or their employees. How much of this was about the sense resolution and how much of it is it about the fact that like Sarah Nelson isn't crazy about the idea of service workers unionizing in Seattle when she herself is a small business owner who employs a lot of service workers. I actually think it is 
equally symbolic for Sarah Nelson and Alex Peterson to constantly be declaring Sarah Nelson, of course, is new, but this is not new for Alex Peterson to declare themselves against um, Shama Sawant's lefty resolutions um, and make this big to do about being against, you know, against these non-binding resolutions. I don't know how much it has to do with her status as a small business owner specifically. I doubt that Sarah Nelson is, you know, on the side of, uh, of Starbucks or Amazon, um, but uh, you know, in terms of in terms of being uh, in solidarity with another business, but I, but you know, I think this is grandstanding on their part every bit as much as these resolutions are grandstanding. You know, one side stands up and says we need to support unionization at Starbucks, and the other side stands up and says this is taking away from us solving the important problems of the city like homelessness and crime. And it's like you, you weren't going to solve the problems of homelessness and crime in the you know twenty minutes it took to debate this resolution at Seattle City Council. So. I think it's, you know, kind of turned into an opportunity to for, for each side to go to their corners and make points about what's important and um and and what's not. But I but I wouldn't say it has anything, you know, necessarily to do with Sarah Nelson not supporting unions. Yeah, I take Sarah at her word. Uh, she put out a statement explaining why uh she opposed this and as she pointed out, she had herself had uh support from um a number of unions when she was running. Uh you know, tend to be more on the kind of building trade side of the uh, of the labor movement, but the firefighters, folks like that, that supported her. Erica, to your point, first of all, I think this went on for more than twenty minutes, and it turned kind of divisive, and it led to you know actually a battle within the left of the council between Teresa Mosqueda and Shama Sawant as they started to sort of argue about who was more. Um, you know, supportive of workers and that. And so it kind of raised the, the, the dissension and kind of toxicity level of the council. And I happen to know, because I, I reached out to Sarah and I asked her this, what kind of reaction she got to her statement. And she told me she's had probably 300 emails in response to her t- statement explaining why she didn't uh, vote for uh, vote on this resolution and why she thinks these things are a bad idea. She said she had about 300 responses and they were overwhelmingly positive. And so I think that there is something going on here where stuff like this crystallizes a lot of the public frustration with the city council that we've been seeing reflected in all the polling last year and, and I think continuing into this year. Should resolutions then be banned from the city council because they have to be, you know, they should be filling potholes and fixing homelessness and they can never, you know, take any kind of symbolic action? Like, Sandeep, are you uh, kind of a uh, resolution abolitionist? No, I'm not a resolution abolitionist or a proclamation abolitionist. I think there is a, a, a you know, a, a legitimate role sometimes for some kind of uh, you know, cer- ceremonial or symbolic statements that do come out of the city council. For instance, when some civic leader passes away to sort of sort of, sort of pass some kind of proclamation um, uh, in their honor, I think that stuff has a role. It's just when the balance starts to feel out of whack and when the culture of the council itself, as I think a lot of people, including me, perceive to be increasingly kind of performative bullshit rather than substantive issue and policy-oriented engagement, that, that it starts to become a, 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 a politically 
a big political negative for the council's image overall. And I think it is right now a big political negative for the council's when image. I, I think when you define the culture of the council not um, based on, you know, the council's many meetings of many committees, you know, discussing right. much substantive legislation all the time, and instead base it on, you know, the thing that gets a lot of news coverage because people were yelling, then yeah, I mean, that does give you a skewed version and a skewed vision of what the council actually does in its day-to-day on a day-to-day basis. But man, I mean, these resolutions, they, uh, you know, particularly since Shama Sawant came on the council, this debate has been going on. These resolutions uh, have been common for a very long time. And I think, uh, you know, I think to say that, oh, it's, you know, to wring, wring hands and say it's destroyed the culture of the council is is sort of myopic. And it's not looking at, you know, what does the council actually spend most of its time doing? Well, budgeting. I mean, that takes up about a, a, a quarter to a third of the year every single year. Doesn't get as much coverage as, you know, a bunch of people screaming at each other for 10 minutes does. But um, but I would say that's, you know, that's a lot more the bulk of what the council does. And, and, and in fact, you know, I mean... <laughs> These these resolutions, you know, they become news stories when people like Alex Peterson and people like Sarah Nelson grandstand over them. I, you know, I don't sit through these discussions of these non-binding resolutions because I, too, don't think that they are particularly newsworthy or relevant. And I do think that, you know, it would be probably better if the council didn't have so many of them. But the reason we're discussing it is because one side grandstands on an issue and the other side grandstands on its own issues. And so I would say the issue is grandstanding on both sides and not necessarily, you know, whether the council wants to support workers at Starbucks or not. And, you know, the other thing that happened this week, right, of course, is that this was an opportunity and these resolutions are an opportunity for there to be public comment on something that isn't related to lawmaking. So it also creates this opportunity for a whole bunch of people to come to City Hall, talk about Starbucks unionization where there otherwise wouldn't be that opportunity, right? And is, is that part of why it's become so controversial? It is an opportunity for people to virtually come to City Hall, because uh, of course, City Hall is still closed, to to say what, you know, to express their opinions on an issue that is not directly before the City Council. The Council can't make any decisions about whether Starbucks unionizes. I would say, similarly, Sarah Nelson, um, business owner, council member, held a forum this week that um, was basically an opportunity for business owners who she invited to both sit on a panel and submit public comment uh, to complain about crime and disorder and, um, and, and problems with their businesses in a way that had absolutely nothing to do with either Sarah Nelson's committee, which has nothing to do with crime or homelessness, which was their other complaint issue, um, and had nothing to do with any legislation. Sarah Nelson held a forum that was a public comment forum and doesn't have any legislation in her, her her committee and has no purview over any of the issues they were discussing. So I would say it's exactly the same thing, but on the opposite end of Seattle's political spectrum. We sort of had a similar conversation last week as we were talking about crime. The mayor, uh, Bruce Harrell, had a press conference last Friday to talk about his strong feelings that we that crime is getting out of hand and we can't tolerate some of the criminal behavior we're seeing on our streets and in our neighborhoods. And you could say, well, right now that's performative. That's, that's, you know, just words at a press conference. And, you know, we did discuss that last week, but Bruce was putting a marker down there. And I think similarly, when Sarah Nelson held a committee hearing 
and invited small business owners and, and representatives of the small business community to come in and talk about what they're experiencing in their businesses related to crime. And this is the first time anything like this has happened in, you know, uh, in, 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 in the last few years. I think that is, it's more than meaningless or symbolic. It is significant and it does, it is indicative that there is a turn in public perceptions and an effort by new council members like Sarah Nelson to kind of turn the focus of the city council back towards a different set of issues that I think the voters have been concerned about and the left has but, been but oblivious that, to. And it goes how is back that to different the, than inviting labor representatives to come to City Hall and testify on behalf of unionization? I mean, that those you're defining voters in a pretty narrow way if it doesn't include all the people that show up to say that they support unionization at Starbucks and, and explain all the reasons why. Well, the, the, the central difference is that crime is an issue that the city council can actually do something about, whereas, as we mentioned, you know, unionization at Starbucks is outside the purview of the of the city council's reach and, and rightfully should be, right? Uh, um, and so, look, if, if, if that's where it ends and all it is is a, you know, a, a listening session and nothing comes out of it, then OK, you know, I agree with you. But if this leads uh, to further conversation and ultimately action uh, and a, maybe a, some, a change in policy direction from some of the kind of the hard left turn we've seen on some of these issues around policing and crime at the at the city, then Yay, but you know, more power to it. And 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 I, I am I, I do think for folks who have felt uh shut out from City Hall, not listened to folks who are not part of the movement left, small business the vast majority of small business owners in the city, I think this is a welcome and refreshing sign that maybe there's some change. The people afoot. on this forum, I mean, uh, you know, there were definitely some individual small business owners, but there was also the Ballard Business District, the Soto Business Alliance, you know, uh, groups that are, you know, if anything, overrepresented and overplatformed at City Hall. So, I, you know, I, I, I would disagree that uh, the business interests in the city of Seattle have not had enough of a voice at City Hall. I think business interests have quite, uh, quite, a, quite a large voice and a lot of influence at City Hall. Um, but I would also say, you know, if, 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 if legislation, you're talking about legislation on crime coming out of this, first of all, um, you know, Seattle City Council um, does not oversee the police department. That is the purview of the mayor. Uh, but second, uh, Sarah Nelson's committee is Economic Development, Technology and City Light. There is an entire committee on homelessness that's headed by Andrew Lewis, a different city council member. And there's an entire committee on policing and crime. And that's headed by Lisa Herbold, a different city council member. So, I mean, if 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 the idea was to do something meaningful, then I think what Sarah Nelson would do and, you know, maybe she will do this at some point down the line. But uh, what she would do is to go to the heads of those committees and propose legislation and work through their committees and work with them to actually effectuate some kind of legislation, as opposed to having a forum where, you know, you have however many, 20, 30 small businesses that you've asked to come and give public comment, and then you give a forum to 11 more at a roundtable. And, you know, I mean, yes, we, we, we did hear complaints about crime. I don't think that 
the uh, the city council or any member of the public who reads the news is unaware at this point that there are issues with crime in Seattle, that there are issues with crime at small businesses, and that this is something that the city is trying to address. So I'm not sure what that well, what it accomplishes. I, I, I disagree with you that this wasn't a relevant topic for Sarah Nelson's committee, which does cover economic development. And uh, you don't have to spend very much time going out around the city and talking to small business owners in, in various neighborhoods that have been beset by some of the kind of crime and street disorder that we and others have been talking about recently to say that this is a front and center topic uh, you know, in the small business community and something they see as really hampering their ability to operate and and hampering the city's economic recovery from COVID. So I think it's a relevant topic for her committee. Now, if there's substantive policy action, yeah, maybe that will happen in other committees. And yes, Sarah Nelson is going to have to go out and build coalitions of support and all of that stuff. Uh, but again, I, I, as I said last week and I've said before, I think the left has been ignoring all these voices and, in fact, telling these people essentially that you are hysterical, reactionary fuckwads, basically, for complaining about crime and the, and the fact that, you're, you know, your business is being broken into every few months and, you know, you're having to pay $10,000 every few months to replace your plate glass window or whatever. And I think it's a false promise. I think, I think, you know, I think having a a round table of business owners who make all these complaints um, and, you know, about what is, what is happening at their businesses and their insurance rates going up and, you know, and crime um, and, and sort of giving them a sounding board to say things, you know, and to propose, you know, a, a sort of crackdown on crime and then, not actually have any way of, you know, effectuating that change for them. I mean, like, I'm sorry, you're not going to accomplish what business owners want by just flooding the streets with police officers, which is which is what a lot of folks were saying that they want. They want more policing, more cops, more, more, more. And the fact is, A, we're not hiring cops at that rate, and it's not possible to hire cops at that rate right now. And B, when we've tried that in the past, unfortunately, it hasn't worked. It worked. And C, I would say one thing that didn't come up at all in the discussion is the fact that we have a global pandemic that is continuing to impact cities across the country. And a lot of the problems and a lot of the disorder and a lot of the sort of desperation and uh, addiction and behaviors that are that are leading to a feeling of not being safe uh, derive from that pandemic. And, you know, if you're going to complain about boarded up storefronts downtown, as some council members did during this during this hearing, you have to also mention that the reason there aren't a lot of street level businesses downtown right now is that there aren't a lot of workers downtown filling all those high rise buildings. And so, you know, promoting a false narrative to me about what's causing crime and what the solutions are actually is the opposite of helpful. I've had an opportunity to talk recently with Councilmember Nelson and Beyond this particular committee hearing, she is right now working, I think, on a lot of different uh, potential really substantive policy ideas around how we can promote small businesses and economic recovery, how we can, you know, support, uh, you know, BIPOC uh, businesses, uh, how we can uh, engage uh, youth of color in the South End and in, in, in job training uh, stuff. This is a thing that she, I think, intends to make a very serious focus of her work at the city council. And I think that's a really uh, welcome development and something that kind of ha- has 
to some extent fallen off the radar screen at the council, in part because I think in recent years, as the council has gone farther and farther left, they've been almost singularly focused on concerns pushed by certain elements of progressive labor uh, and, 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 and progressive left activists generally. And so it goes back to the fact that there are are significant constituencies and stakeholders in the city of Seattle that have felt left out of the political conversation or or ignored in the political conversation. Uh, and to the extent that she's bringing some of that back to the front and center, I think that's a good thing. And, and from, from my conversations with her, I think she's got a lot of potentially um, meaningful, substantive, interesting ideas on these fronts. Uh, 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 that we haven't seen in recent years coming out well, of the Well, then to council. quote the complaints about Shama Sawant, uh, I would uh, say that, you know, maybe she should spend more time proposing legislation than, um, than holding public forums for people to, uh, to vent their grievances. Well, she's been in office a month. I was struck when I was talking to, when my staff was talking to businesses and nonprofits in our uh, tours and individually on phone calls, et cetera, that yes, there is uh, uh, property damage, break-ins, repeat uh, vandalism, arson. And these things are uh, creating uh, situations that these businesses are thinking that they are almost no, uh, that it's going to be difficult to remain viable in our city. But one thing, a common thread uh, in these conversations is that this is not just about property crime because these small employers have mentioned uh, assaults on their employees, threats on their employees, you know, entering with gunpoint. And, and so I do want to refine or nuance this topic because this is not about crime on business or property crime. This is about violent crime. And that is why, uh, that is another reason that I am raising the urgency of this because we have to think about this as impacts on human beings. You know, if you put this in historical context, we're actually replaying a mid-19th century debate uh, on the Seattle City Council with Shama Sawant representing the Marxist left as a, as a revolutionary Trotskyist um, and, a, and a Marxist. Back in the 19th century, Karl Marx was himself arguing that there was a dangerous stratum of petty bourgeois small shopkeepers who were who were affecting uh, European politics in negative ways and 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 that they they had too big of a voice and really were the biggest obstacle to change. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing really that that we are literally like replicating that debate well, here in Seattle. <laughs> Is this happening anywhere else? Well, I want to push back on that. I mean, I you know, one of the things that I said, I did a Twitter thread about this the other day. And, you know, I, I am a small business owner, you know, as is Sandeep. Um, I am in Pioneer Square, and there are actually things that I would like the city to do to make, you know, the area where I work, um, the neighborhood where I work, um, easier and safer to work in. One thing um, is cracking down on people who zoom through red lights because it's a very dangerous area for pedestrians, and pedestrian deaths are, you know, up, uh, you know, at unprecedented levels right now. But, you know, I mean, there's there's stuff like um, there was some discussion of a, a fund for replacing um, broken 
open windows with more uh, with hardier you know type of glass, and that's as you know as as technical as I can get about that. But you know that's that seems like a good idea. Um, making you know getting rid of sort of discriminatory insurance rates uh, based on the neighborhood that you're located in that seems like a good idea. Um, so there are things that you know I actually think would make a difference that don't involve sweeping all the homeless people who live in the neighborhood where I work uh, that don't involve um, you know doing police crackdowns on people standing around on street corners um, that that I would that I would absolutely support. But you know I feel like when you have Deborah Juarez, a city council member, at this meeting last or earlier this week saying. Uh, that she doesn't go to Pike Place Market, this, one of the city's biggest tourist attractions, except during broad daylight on a Saturday because it's too dangerous down there. Um, I think that's a pretty anti-business and anti-business district thing to say. And I think whipping up fear about our business districts um, is is actually contributing to the problem of people not wanting to come back to them. I don't think it's whipping up fear. I think it's an honest statement of what is a, a widespread and growing perception and feeling of, of lack of safety in downtown So you're scared Seattle. of Pike Place Market? Uh, well, you know, there are parts of, of downtown Seattle uh, that are pretty freaky. I'm, you I know? mean, I'm downtown I, I mean, I don't know about Pike Place Market. I don't know any parts like that. I, I haven't been... <laughs> You know, third and 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 Pike and Pine freaks a lot of people out. I mean, uh, can you speak for the petty bourgeoisie? That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the petty. Thank you for thank you for bringing it back to that. So, look, I, I don't know what the polling, you know, showed in the late nineteenth century when Karl Marx was denouncing, you know, provincial narrow-minded shopkeeps for their, you know, petty bourgeois narrowness or or what have you. But I do know what the polling shows nowadays in the city of Seattle, which is that small businesses and small business owners are overwhelmingly popular and respected and that voters in the city see small business as the backbone of our economy and our and our and our neighborhoods. And that when, you know, revolutionary Trotsky, Trotskyite Shama Sawant, you know, denounces them as reactionaries and, and uh, you know, um, destructive elements, that's terrible politics. And to the extent that the left follows her down that rat hole, they are going to uh, have problems with the voters of Seattle. And, and so the hue and cry that we've been hearing from small business owners that's getting louder over the last year or, or year plus about some of the problems that they're experiencing with their businesses I think the political leadership class in Seattle would be well advised to take that seriously and try to address it. Some free advice from political consultant Sandeep Kaushik, who also gets the last word this week. Also with us, as always, Erica C. Barnett. I'm David Hyde. If you want to help us out, go to our Patreon page or Patreon, however you want to pronounce it. Go there and support Seattle Nice. You can also find us on Twitter at Real Seattle Nice, where you can leave us some feedback. We've been getting some helpful advice as well as suggestions for future episodes. So direct message us or just tweet at us at Real Seattle Nice. And thanks everybody so much for listening. <laughs>